Let's just wing it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. people of the world. Welcome to the Metaphysical Podcast. I am Brian. That is Alexander over there. Hi. <laughs> and today we're going to talk a lot about religion, a couple different topics. Um, mainly we're going to be focusing on the relationship of God to suffering and to evil and deal with a couple objections that people have about God. Um, we're also going to talk about uh, the old fellow Satan, and then you know whatever else comes from those conversations. But before we get started, we wanted to clarify what our individual general positions are on religion, just so there's a disclaimer out there. People know what perspectives we're coming from. So for me, uh, I am not a strictly religious person. Uh, I would say that I'm still in the process of sorting things out, but I come from a religious background. I was religious until I was about 14, very religious until I was 14, and then started off on a, a different journey to figure things out from a secular perspective. And I've ended up in a place where I guess in very general terms, I accept that there are things that I don't understand. And I've tried to take my understanding of spirituality as far as I can from a logical perspective. And I feel good about where I've landed. And it's nowhere definitive <laughs> in terms of, in terms of uh, like an actual established religion. It's, I don't know, just kind of my own thing, I guess. <laughs> it's very vague, but maybe someday we'll get into the details, but for now we don't need to. That's my disclaimer. I'm, I'm a more secular perspective. <laughs> and um, I'm a Mormon, so that's all you need to know. <laughs> Whatever preconceived notions you have are probably true. That's funny. Having uh, moved out to the Midwest, I would say that that's very much incorrect. <laughs> Heard some interesting ideas about Mormons out here. Yeah. No, but yeah, I'm a very religious, whatever, Mormon. Served my mission and everything. Um, but I try to... There's a lot of ideas and... Um, pop, pop theology, I might call it, um, that floats around in any religious culture. <clears throat> and, um, I try to be critical of that as best as I can. Obviously we all come to the table with our own preset prejudices and paradigms, but, um, yeah, part of this is an effort to kind of wade through 
those and try and find out what might be a good way of thinking about God and suffering despite whatever things I already bring to the table from my religion. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the first thing that got me, well, the thing that was recently got me thinking about these problems is I watched a video um, about 9-11. It was a documentary about people's responses to it. It's called Faith and Hope at Ground Zero. If you guys want to go watch it, it's real good. Um, but there are like a lot of different responses that people of faith had to that crisis that, that I wanted to mention and see, I don't know, just talk about, see what sounds reasonable, um, or sensible. <laughs> so, um, did you have anything else to say or you want me to jump into it? No, I think that's good. Yeah, I'm curious um, what the different, what those different perspectives are. Yeah, so just kind of starting in reverse, I think, from how they played in the documentary. But um, there's there's this rabbi, and I think this will give a good overarching sense to our entire conversation. But there's a rabbi in the video who who says something like, you know, people always come to me ever since 9-11 and, and ask me, where was God and all of that? And I think part of my job as a rabbi is to help people live with those kinds of questions. So he's like, I don't feel the need to answer that or to have an answer. Um, I think part of a religious life is just being able to have questions like that. You shouldn't not ask questions like that but being able to live with them. So anyway, I think that's an interesting perspective, just kind of like the mystery approach, but <laughs> right. <laughs> we're <It's> like, <laughs> that is an interesting, interesting idea. Cause it's kind of like, you should definitely question it, but that's all you're going to do. Yeah. Don't <laughs> There's no answer that's going to come. From don't it. expect to have an answer. Right. So that's interesting. And I think that's a valid approach to pretty much anything in life. Like, yeah, ask your questions and look for answers, but you're never going to have a complete whole view of things, you know. We've talked about that. Yeah, I think that that's true. It's maybe not the best advice for someone in general because there are things that you can figure out. But I, in the context, it, it makes more sense because it is never something that you're going to be absolutely certain about or understand fully. Yeah. Well, yeah, so obviously... I mean, like, for the big questions, right? Why am I here or whatever? Right. Um, then there was another guy, or another few people who, interestingly, um, didn't lose their faith in God, but changed their view of him. So, so they believed that he directly acted and, like, directly caused and ordained the 9 11 okay. attack, right? Because in this view, right, God is all powerful in a very literal and all encompassing sense. And so he ordains all things. Nothing happens outside of his control, right? And so in this view, he had to have caused 9 11. And so there are a couple of people who were like, ever since 9 11, I've just been trying to forgive God for that, but I can't forgive him. Just. Oh. 
interesting shift. Yeah. Yeah. And one guy was like, I used to believe in a loving, kind God, but God isn't that. God is a barbarian. And he's like, I still believe in him, but I'm losing respect for him. So it's like... Oh, these are interesting. Yeah. No, really interesting. I I didn't think it was a secret that that, uh, God was, in addition to being a God of love, was always portrayed as a God of judgment. (laughs) <laughs> like there's always been a level of severity with with god i thought i mean i yeah i don't know i feel like it's not surprising but these people sound surprised <laughs> yeah um i think part of what it was you know if you're willing to take responsibility if you're willing to say we were being wicked and that's why god brought that judgment upon us then mm-hmm. that works to explain it as God is a God of judgment. But these people also express very patriotic sentiments, right? And so they're saying, okay, how would God do that to us? A country of freedom, a country, a God loving, God fearing country, like, right. Like we weren't doing anything wrong. What the heck? We didn't deserve that. So it couldn't have been the judgment side. He was just being a barbarian type of a thing. (laughs) Gotcha. That's interesting. Um, And that guy even said, you know, I still believe in Jesus. I'm fine with Jesus and I'm fine with the Holy Ghost. But like the father is the one that I'm like having real issues with right now. Wow. Yeah. God done messed up with the other two. (laughs) Cool. Cool with those guys. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it's an interesting perspective. I don't know. That's where you have to go with it. If you believe that God is all powerful. Yeah. Right. I don't know of any other route if God is all powerful and all knowing in that complete sense. Yeah. All powerful in the sense that he causes every single thing that happens. Right. And in that sense, yeah, he's the creator of evil as well. Um, because he at some point created Satan. Right. And so, even if you say, even if you say, well, God didn't do that directly, Satan did it, or the forces of evil, that's still God. Right, he created those forces. Right. So those are the issues with that view that I see. Um, there were a few people who said things like, You know, that was all according to the plan of God. So similar view in that God did it, or he at least let it happen. Mm -hmm. They were a little bit more optimistic, though, about it. Instead of, like, blaming God or being mad at him, it was like, God planned that for our betterment. Mm -hmm. One lady specifically who lost her daughter in the attack... um, was speculating that maybe if she hadn't died in the 9-11 attack, she would have lived a life after, like, a life going forwards with more composite suffering for her. Mm-hmm. And so it was a way of, like, ending that suffering for her. Just like a right. quick quick death view. So yeah, like a mercy kind of thing. Yeah, so they saw it as a merciful act. Which has obvious issues, if you I don't know. Do you see any 
there, yeah, there's, there seems to be a lot of complexity in that kind of view. And it, it ends up at a, so the way that I, cause I've thought about that before, cause it's, it goes back to a really old idea of the best possible world, which was the concept that it was, it was in response to the arguments that if evil existed and God created it, what the heck? <laughs> and the response was, well, this, this world that we're living in has evil because evil is necessary, but it's the best possible. Like all suffering is as a result of creating the best possible good in the world. Um, so yeah, something, the argument would be something like for 9-11, 9-11 happened because the good things, yeah, either it prevented something bad from happening, like more suffering, or because of that one bad thing that happened, a lot of other really good things happened that you know, if there's a, a an alternative identical universe where 9-11 doesn't happen, it becomes a worse place to live than where we live because that event doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the idea behind it. And it's it's been heavily criticized. Like Voltaire's story, Candide, is one that really goes after it, which if people haven't read it, it's it's a good story. It's really funny because it's written as a satire and it pokes fun at that idea well it more than pokes fun it heavily criticizes that idea it's about someone who just horrible thing after horrible thing happens to him and all these people that he's with and like it goes into people who are taken from their villages everyone they know or are murdered and they're raped and all kinds of stuff and it's like how is this the best possible world (laughs) that's a that's a pretty big objection to it and the other bigger issue besides that i think is that it's not really based on anything like it's just kind of a guess right yeah right. the other worlds would be worse there's no I, verification i, I promise <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it's it seems like more of a more of a, a crutch to hold up the idea that you already have yeah that's true it definitely is it definitely does seem that way because you know, then it doesn't apply. There's no um, uniform application of it, right? Because, yeah. like, okay, he killed everyone who died in 9-11 so that they wouldn't suffer more in later times. But, I mean, he sh- maybe he should have just murdered all of the Jews in Germany before the Holocaust started <laughs> so that they wouldn't have to go through yeah. that. Right. And then the counter to that is, well, only God knows. Like, you don't know. Right. Maybe and, that would have led to more suffering. And the actual suffering of the Holocaust did cause, is good. Like, that. well, that's what right. good. So Yeah, the best possible world includes the genocide of six million, more than six million Jews, and all the other, like, uncountable people who have been killed by other people. Right. And it just seems like kind of a... I don't know what logical fallacy it would be, but but there's no argument against it because all it's saying is reality as we have it is the best thing, and so there's no way to argue it because it's just like, oh, the Holocaust as it happened is the best thing that could have happened, you know? Yeah, there's there's no basis for it other than the beliefs that you already have. Like, that's how, I imagine that's how that argument came into being. Yeah. Someone said, okay, well, we have to justify this. This is the way we can do it. Yeah. Just assume the... Yeah. Anyway, so that's another view, not without its problems. 
Um, the last one was this firefighter. And uh, <clears throat> his view was that all, all catastrophes, natural or caused by man, um, can't be traced to God. It's, or aren't done by God. Um, and we've kind of already touched on this, but he was saying it's just Satan. It's the forces of, of evil. Um, and God fights against them with us. Um, so kind of the does what he can view. Um, which I don't know if this firefighter was conscious of this, but obviously that's going to circumscribe that view is going to circumscribe God's all powerfulness. Right. So in that view, suffering in the world and tragedy comes from Satan or the forces of evil or whatever. And, and God is there fighting against those forces just as we are. So just as some people in the world try to do good and some people try to do bad things, God, um, you know, is fighting with those who are trying to do good against those who are trying to do bad. Um, so the one issue, obviously, that people would take with that, that could be taken with that, is that yeah, it changes the view of God where he's no longer all-powerful. He can't just do anything, right? He has to fight and try. And I, I actually don't think it necessarily does that, but we can come back to that because I, I want to hear what else you're going to say. Okay. Um, the other thing I've just forgotten, so... <laughs> Shouldn't have interrupted. Um, do you want me to try and remember it? Should we just go on? Yeah, sure. Um, You're talking about potential issues with it? Yeah. That's what he was saying? Yeah. People would um, object. So, something I was thinking when you were saying it was it also doesn't excuse me um it doesn't solve the problem of god created satan like it doesn't it is that okay that was the one yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah in in that view still if you still believe that satan is created by god then it doesn't solve that problem right in fact it almost is more complicated because then it's like instead of the view where God created evil, like created Satan and everything, and then controls both of them toward his own purposes that we don't understand. That's like the earlier view we already talked about. But in this view, if he created both of them and then fights against his own creation, it's like, right. That doesn't make sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or it makes, seems to make less sense. So, Right. It, it's almost more complicated with him having created Satan. So, yeah. What were you going to say about it doesn't necessarily have to mean that his omnipotence is circumscribed? Right. So it kind of falls 
in the middle of the last two ideas that you were talking about. So, um, you think about if, so if we take it back to, to good and evil, the existence of good and evil. For one to exist, the other has to exist. Like everything that exists must by necessity have an opposite and neither can exist without each other. So if there is no good, there is no evil. If there is no evil, there is no good. So in that context, and this, this brings up a lot of other questions, but if you already have a religious perspective, then I think the most reasonable thing is to assume that well, actually, you don't have to make a decision if God is all-powerful in that he controls every aspect of life or can control every aspect of life or not. But I think you have to accept that whether or not he can, he doesn't control every aspect of life, which I think is a fairly popular religious belief because the idea of free will, if God controls everything that happens, free will doesn't exist. And I th I, I'm not positive, but I think a lot of religions do support the idea of free will. That's kind of the whole point of being here. So if free will exists, that means that whether or not God has the power to control everything, he doesn't. He takes a step back and lets things run their course to a certain extent. So in that context, it would make sense if you take all of the other questions that come with it for granted from a religious perspective. It makes sense that when God created the world and all the people on it, he would create evil so that good could exist so that people could have the experience of both of those things because otherwise there isn't a choice in any sense like there has to be a right way and a wrong way of doing things in order for people to make a decision and then if he creates the decision it doesn't make sense that he would control every aspect of the choices that people make because then what's the point yeah. Um, well, actually, a lot of religions don't believe in free will in any real sense. I mean, predestination is a pretty common thing, at least in Christianity, believing mm -hmm. that you're predestined to either be saved or damned. And right. so, like, uh, yeah, it's that's... like you can act according to your own free will within that, but that's a really limited and negligible kind of free will like right i never understood that because it <laughs> would make more sense if the the perspective that um well yeah i was uh, i was having a conversation about free will with someone the other day uh, it was a couple weeks ago and i think the what were we saying the if you believe in god and free will but still, like, you believe in God as an omnipotent force and also believe in free will. The only way you can hold those two ideas at the same time is if you accept that God knows what decisions we're going to make, but he doesn't influence them. That seems to be the only way you can parse the two. Because if he, like you said, if he controls everything, then it's not really free will. Or even if he controls part of it and we have a little bit of free agency within it, it's not really free will. So... In his omnipotence, he could know all the decisions that are going to be made. So he would, he would know where we're going to end up on an individual basis. But he's not making the decisions for us. He knows what decisions are going to be made. 
and he lets them play out because it's part of a greater plan or idea. Yeah. Which is where all the other questions come up. (laughs) Well, and then the other issue I take with what you're saying, though, about God creating evil so that there would be choice makes sense, but then the problem is if God is good, how did he become good without there being evil? I would say that he didn't. What? (laughs) I would say that he didn't. I mean, from a... (laughs) Because, yeah, from a logical perspective, if there wasn't such thing as evil, God would just be. He wouldn't be good, because good wouldn't exist. So maybe that's another reason that he creates the devil. So he can be good? So he can be good. Yeah, that's, that sounds pretty narcissistic. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, <clears throat> I think... So, so, this is the solution that I would propose, and I want you to get into it from all sides, from, from a non-religious side and from, um, from a religious side, from whatever side you want to take okay. it, but, all sides. um, <clears throat> But what I see as making sense is perhaps pieces of all these views. (laughs) So, but obviously this is drawing heavily on my own, my own religion's views on this, Mm -hmm. um, as I see them or have stolen them from people. So (laughs) these are not my views. (laughs) All all the ideas exist in the ether, man. It's just part of the collective unconscious. Let me just tap into the ether. Um, So this is the idea. God, as an intelligent principle of some kind, finds himself among other intelligent principles that that, um, are less progressed than him. So... So they know less and, and all of us, all of them are in, are subject to natural laws. So could you give an example of, of what you mean by the principles? Just like some sort of being, some sort of intelligent being. Okay. That's what I mean. And is this, is this, sorry to interrupt, but is this in a fixed time period where you're talking? Um, or is this just a general statement no yeah this is like before okay. it's like an or an origin story for evil okay that's what i figured i was just just wanted to get the setting right yeah okay i should have made that clear so anyway so what makes god different is that he's more intelligent he knows more about the natural world the natural laws that we all find ourselves subject to and he offers to come into a relationship with those intelligent beings and say, look, I can teach you how these things work so that you can progress and become like me. Right. And so in that view, one, God 
God's omnipotence is circumscribed by natural laws, first off. To what makes him God, what makes him great and worthy of worship, isn't so much omnipotence as um, condescension, like willingness to willingness to come into relationships with otherwise lesser beings and bring them to him, like bring them to his level, mm. you know? Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I think in my view, what happens is that, you know, for some reason we have to, so the idea is that those intelligences are all us, right? And for some reason we have to come to earth to learn something. Um, we can get more into that in a little bit. But but the idea is that it was explained to us to some extent how much suffering and how terrible this world would be for the majority of us that come here. Mm-hmm. And and it was given the option, the option was given to us. So, so I guess in this view, there's not like, there don't have to be, I don't think there has to be a, a being that represents evil from the beginning and a being that represents good from the beginning. I think that I think that there's a scale of, there's just a scale of good, better, best, you know, the more it's like in school, the more you study or whatever, or do well, the more you're going to learn. So the more progressed you will be. Um, and the less you do, the less progressed you'll be. But in any case, I don't know, it gets complicated, but I think that Satan what happens with Satan, I think, is that, in in this view at least, he he does well, he does learn, he progresses. But when it comes to this idea of coming to Earth and all the suffering that that will entail, I think his idea is that it's not worth it and it's not necessary to suffer that much and so his view is that why don't we I mean it could be a number of different things but but what he's saying is why don't we have an earth instead where we go and instead of having to suffer the consequences of our choices and suffer for natural natural disasters let's just have a world where we make choices and don't have to suffer for the consequences and don't have to suffer um for natural disasters so satan isn't actually it doesn't sound like something evil like it's right and i've been i'm not sure about this but it's an idea i've been playing with like it's not that it's not that Satan was saying, you know, I want 
everyone, he wasn't saying at least forthrightly, I want everyone to be miserable and to be my slaves or whatever. He was kind of presenting an altruistic and concerned view of like, oh, that suffering is too much. Like, um, yeah, it almost sounds like it would have come from a good place. Yeah. So the reason the reason it's bad though is that it does destroy agency. Like it destroys that free will because if you if you can make a choice and there's no consequences like the the consequences for the choice aren't enforced then it's like your free will again is negligible it's like you don't it's not really a choice what would be an example of that it's like if I I don't know maybe this example isn't well yeah so like if I choose to not drink water the natural consequence is for me to die of thirst so if I choose to not drink water and I don't die of thirst, that choice is negligible. It's like, I didn't. There's no point to that choice, right? Right, yeah. So in that view, that's why Satan isn't good. Like, it wasn't a good option. It wasn't the best option. Because of that destruction of free will. But it wasn't necessarily all bad either so i don't know i find that interesting as an idea yeah i've wondered about that too so just to contextualize it this is this is all based on the um the mormon idea of the creation of all people in existence and end of satan i don't know how widely that idea is shared by other religions uh just now just recently started to like ask people i know what their idea is that is and they usually don't have full answers yeah um yeah that that view is definitely unique to mormonism and but even that it's not like fleshed out right like satan's motivations what i was saying about like satan's possible motivations and what he wanted to do like none of that is official or anything and i don't know how widely held it is but but it works within it works within the paradigm of Mormonism as it doesn't in other religions. Because what makes the Mormon view unique is that all beings are coeternal with God. Like we all we aren't exactly created by him. We exist from forever just like he does. So that's, oh, interesting. that's the difference. That. Yeah. That's what that's what I mean by when I say, obviously, yeah, it's a really vague way of saying it, so I guess it makes sense to... <laughs> but God finds himself among the beings that already exist as he does. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I'd never heard that before. <clears throat> so, that fixes a number of things. For one, he didn't create evil. Um, that was just what people, certain beings chose to follow is like things that weren't 
in line with what he with what God was saying. This is the best way to live in this world, in this natural world, this natural universe, whatever. Um. Well, that's really interesting because that that suggests that good and evil already existed, which would seem to mean that they transcend God. Although I guess that fits in also with the natural law thing. Because that does seem to... So yeah, I've been trying to think about different religious beliefs, especially as I've met people out in, in Indiana who are... I've met a lot of non-denominational people and their perspectives on on religion are interesting. So I've been trying to... Trying to f- <laughs> like insert logic into religion, find out if you take these beliefs as true, what's the only way that they actually could potentially be true, mm-hmm. even if you can't be certain about them. Like just making sure that it's all cohesive and... Sure. It doesn't contradict itself. And and the the existence of God and natural laws, the only way that seems to be able to coexist is if God abides by those natural laws. Like the idea of God who that transcends natural laws doesn't it it can't exist because it's by nature of being a natural law, it functions in a way that constructs the world. So if God can transcend those natural laws, the laws don't actually exist in any real sense. Right. And you could could probably come up with a... They're just like his arbitrary... Right. And that means that they can be... Yeah, they can be broken. And if they can be broken, then they don't actually serve as a solid structure for existence. And you could probably come up with some convoluted way of arguing it. But as far as I can tell in my... My ignorant state, that makes sense to me. <laughs> so so there are things that exist. And that I feel like that also doesn't contradict God. Like for, for some people who don't hold that belief, that might sound like, oh, well, that means that God isn't all powerful. So it's not really God. But I don't think that's the case. Like the idea of God that makes the most sense to me would be essentially a scientist who understands everything as it actually is so the laws exist as just as a product of things existing because things exist these natural laws have to exist and within that god exists and he understands everything about those natural laws and everything else that exists physically and so he can that's why he's a scientist he can construct things based on those ideas and the understanding of physical laws and of physical things that exist that we aren't capable of understanding at this point. And that's what makes him God. He can understand all of those things. He has a, you know, in the idea of religion, he has a perfect understanding of all of those things. But he can't just, like, he can't just ignore natural laws. He just understands them in a perfect way. Right. So that's my thought about how that, how that all comes into play. I don't remember how that got started, but <laughs> well, yeah, and you're right. I think it, one of the objections that would be raised by most or all other religions is that, and I think it's one of the common heresies of Mormonism that's pointed to, <laughs> but to me, it makes more sense than anything else. And so I don't know. That's why I wanted to put it out there. Um, is that yeah because it because it says god is 
subject to certain things. Right. He abides by those laws. He doesn't manipulate them. Yeah. And so, I don't know, for me, how you reconcile the all-powerful thing is that what is really meant by all-powerful is most powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like you were saying, because of how much he knows, the more he can do, the more he can work within that system. Um, Yeah, that seems to be the only way that you can you can really sort it out in a way that strictly adheres to logic. Again, as far as I can understand, I definitely don't have a perfect understanding because I'm not God. <laughs> but, but that also, I remembered how we got on this. So it ties into the idea of good and evil existing. Like not, God didn't necessarily have to create evil if those things already existed. So it, it makes sense with what you're saying that if there were beings who also existed in addition to God, um, on a lesser scale and good and evil already existed, they could move toward one of those things or the other. But it's still, this is one of those things that I've never really been able to understand is the, the creation of, of Satan. In terms of, because like I said, I'm trying to figure it out. Like <laughs> I'm trying to, impose logic into an acceptance of religion so as a as a precondition accepting religion as being true how can the story exist in a logical way and lucifer is one of those hiccups i don't i don't get it i feel like he was unfairly dealt with (laughs) (laughs) um like in being cast out for rebellion? Yeah, because my understanding of the story, and it goes along with what you were saying earlier, is that he he had an idea that was contrary to the plan of God. And the plan of God was to have us like create bodies for these other spirits that existed and have them basically be challenged, come to earth, and have to sort things out for themselves and figure it out. And then Lucifer was like, no, 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 no. We could just, you know, have the physical experience be created, come to earth, all those things. And then just, I don't know if it was be told what to do or be controlled, essentially not have free will. Like you were saying, even if it was left to our own devices, but with no consequences, that's still in a way not having free will. Um, And then everyone everyone reaches that ideal of being good versus being evil. So they all get, again, this is in the, in the broad context of the Mormon perspective where if you live a good life, you go back to heaven in very basic and general terms that in no way get into the minutia of the actual plan, but in a general sense, that's what it is. And God is like, nah, nah, man, I gotta, I gotta choose. And he was like, no, I don't think so. This is better. God was like, chill. And he was like, no. And he was like, all right, you're, you're done. You're, you're the devil now. You're in hell. You're not allowed to chill with us anymore. <laughs> and then the, the idea of the war in heaven, I don't really know anything about that. I don't know if that was meant to be a literal battle. I don't know how a spiritual battle would be fought. 
It's <laughs> an interesting uh, thought exercise. Yeah, I think a lot of that isn't really fleshed out, but the possibilities for looking into it all are opened by the idea that God didn't directly create Satan. That opens up the possibility to even talk about these types of things, because Satan's... None of it matters, like, why God would do that if he was fair to treat Satan that way. None of that matters if God is 100% omnipotent and all-knowing and created Satan as part of his plan in the first place. Because then you can just say, well, it doesn't matter. God just chose to do that, and so it was right. So Satan deserved it, (laughs) you know? So even the possibility for talking about why... God would do that or what Satan's motivations might have been our own the possibilities are only opened up by understanding things understanding all beings as yeah not created directly by God or not created by him but helped by him to progress um but more in response I think I think it goes back to some kind of natural law and yeah in this in this view moral laws are natural laws so there's right there's a right way to act in the universe that creates good whatever that might mean even if it's just you know the propagation of the race in a world that still supports life or something i don't know but but there are certain laws governing that too and they're natural laws and so maybe part of that is not instrumentalizing people. Maybe one of Mm. those laws is you don't use other people for your own good. Right? That that could be like a law of evil. (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting because it hits on, this is sort of a sidebar, that hits on like my my personal moral code. It was an idea put forth by Kant, which is pretty much what you said. Like a very one aspect of it, in a general sense, is is identified as treating people as ends in and of themselves and never as means to an end. So that was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. So, but yeah, like that's. I mean, you could say. So basically, me and God are on the same page. Is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> we you both are, have, or at you least are this. God. <laughs> <laughs> um. Right, so anyway, listeners, <laughs> listen good. I've got some uh, some new things to put forth. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, so the idea would be, I think, Satan in doing, in saying, in proposing what he was proposing was saying, as a secondary part of it, um, in this view at least. So because I'm going to remove all this suffering from what you guys are going to have to go through and, yeah, allow you to be good people, good, quote-unquote, without really having to do any work for it, I get to be glorified. Like, so he's doing, he's saying these things in his own self-interest and the plan is to, to instrumentalize all these people for him, right? So he's going to remove free will so that he can be glorified. Mm -hmm. And so 
I think the natural consequence of doing something like that or of wanting to do something like that is that you don't want to be around you're not going to want to <laughs> you don't want to live in the same house as someone who um sees things differently I don't know I kind of see it as like um Satan and whoever thought whoever wanted to follow him leave God's presence as their own choice because because or the own the natural consequence of their choice and yeah like I said those things aren't fleshed out so I don't know like I I obviously don't know any of these things <laughs> but that's how it would make sense right is like right. Um, there's a conflict the war in heaven is meant as a conflict of ideas where everyone's talking about what's going to happen and some people are afraid of all everyone's afraid of all the suffering that would have to be gone through here and Satan is saying well you don't have to do that because if you if you subscribe to my plan then I can remove that and just worship me and um, so there's this kind of battle of words and as what would naturally follow is people separating you know mm. and I don't know I don't know obviously <laughs> that's an interesting idea though so less of a less the idea of God kicking out Satan and more the idea of Satan and the people who are with him or the spirits that are with him whatever deciding to leave on their of, like of their own accord interesting and at the same time maybe there is no actual spatial thing component to it i mean well yeah that would make sense because in in this concept of pre-earth existence it is a, just a spiritual existence whatever that means which right. is f in terms of to again throw in a little bit of secularity in terms of the way that we understand the physical world a spirit would still have to have some kind of physical component. It, like, it, the idea it can't exist if it doesn't exist. So it has to have a physical presence in order to, to influence anything the way that we're talking about them. Right. Um, and the idea, if you're, if you're looking from that perspective and still believing in religion, I think the way to do it is to just to accept that fact, first of all, and then to say that we just don't, we can't, we either can't see that kind of physical existence... <laughs> Or, like, we haven't been able to detect it yet, something like that, but that it does exist as a physical thing. Because in my mind, you can't separate religion and science, and there's no need to. I've never understood why those two things are, are seen as standing opposed. Yeah. Like, they they should be more intertwined than any other two things that exist. Yeah. And, um... And Joseph Smith said that. I mean, he said, spirit, spirit is just matter, it's just more refined or pure, and so we can't 
we can't really perceive it, but it's, it's just a, a higher, oh. more refined form of matter. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And, but then see, every view has its own problems because then the question is, well, on the Satan thing, I think you could still argue that being cast out of God's presence means doesn't necessarily mean God's presence is a place like we mm-hmm. think of like a building and okay, Satan okay. was kicked out onto the street. Right. So much as God's presence is a way of living. And he was removed from that. And he by was nature removed of, from that by nature of what of he not being did. part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because he didn't uh-huh. abide the laws of that state of that way of being, he couldn't benefit from from the consequences which are good ones of living I don't know, of being happy, of being in relation to people. So Satan is characterized by always trying to use people for his own good. Mm-hmm. And so in the same way, like he can't benefit from a symbiotic relationship with anybody or anything like that because he didn't abide that law. And so that's all I meant by, yeah, there's still, I think, yeah, there's still a physicality to whatever spirit is. But the idea of God's presence, I think, has to be seen more as a way of being or a feeling, a kind of sense of meaning or or joy or happiness or whatever, I don't know, Um, rather than a place from which one is thrown out. Yeah, more of a perspective. Yeah. So when you don't share the perspective, by definition, you are no longer in the presence of that perspective. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, that makes more sense. I still have a qualm, though. And it's... 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 And with with Lucifer still. The idea that... After being removed from God's presence, you know, whatever that means. And I, I do think that your perspective on it makes it seems to make a little bit more sense to me than the physical casting out kind of thing. But either way, Satan seems to have gotten really, really bitter after that. Because now, (laughs) from the religious perspective, instead of trying to make everyone end up in a good place, he's trying to tear everyone down. (laughs) And... So what the heck? Is he just really <laughs> is he just really bitter or what's the deal? Well, yeah. I mean, that gets into kind of going back to to like the question surrounding 9/11. Do we want to conceive of a world where every good thing done is done by God and every bad thing done is done by Satan? Is that useful to think of things that way? Um, And I don't know if it is. Maybe it depends on the person. Um, Maybe Satan's influence isn't most seen in huge tragedies like that. Like maybe that is just men being... I mean, I really believe in the capability of humans to be 
to do awful things, you know, mm-hmm. on their own without any influence from some primordially evil being. Right. So there is that. Um, and yeah, trying to parse out what Satan's influence looks like in the world, I think is pretty much pointless. I mean, how do you know if you feel like doing something that's yeah against your moral code, how do you know if it's like from Satan or if it's just you and does it matter? Right. Anyway, the only reason to consider those things is like, yeah, who knows what Satan is would be in this view, like what he would actually be doing on a day to day basis. Right. <laughs> but, um, but I think, I think he would already have been really bitter at existence and at how things were going in order to present the plan that he was. So, mm. so I don't think it's best seen as like he was good up to this point And then, yeah, now he's just like the most miserable awful being there is (laughs) i think i think you necessarily have to see it as he was um, already on that trajectory yeah he was making small choices that would lead somebody to want to utilize every human being for his own glory yeah um and so at that point where he's presenting that idea or plan, he's already resentful and miserable against existence and everything. And because he wants to, I mean, he wants everyone to give up their will, their own choices so that he can be glorified. So I think that's the way to see that, which is funny because traditional Christianity sees God as creating all mankind solely for his own glory. (laughs) (laughs) So in this view, the God of traditional Christianity is Satan. (laughs) Satan, yeah. (laughs) That's interesting. That was another thing I remember back in the day I was always curious about. Like we were created to glorify God. Like, well, what the heck? Yeah. Yeah, where's the where's the difference? Where's the line, man? <laughs> I draw a line in the sand. Cross this. You do not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think Joseph Smith taught that God's glory was to bring to pass our immortality and eternal life. So the idea is that God is glorified by our progression, not that it's not that the purpose of creation was just for us to glorify him. It's just a consequence of It's just a consequence of yeah, of us progressing. That makes more sense. Then he's no longer the devil. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Um that does make a lot more sense the thing with Oh, and real quick, just in case anyone doesn't know, Joseph Smith was the prophet who reestablished the Mormon Church in 1830. Yeah. Just for a tiny bit of context. <laughs> um, but yeah, the idea that, that that's always been a really big thing that I've wondered about 
after hearing the story, you know, however many years ago, in relation to Satan being like such an evil, bitter creature. It's like, how, how did that happen? Because it, it did always sound to me when it was told that it was, yeah, Satan was trying to do this great thing. And then God said he was wrong. And then he just like decided to rampage everything. <laughs> he was just throwing the biggest tantrum in the world forever. And he never got over it. And it was just getting worse and worse. I was like, what the heck? That, I don't understand that. That doesn't seem to make sense. But that makes a lot more sense, the idea that um, that he uh, was already on the progression downward. So the, the, the digression, I guess. And ended up in the place where he's at now. It wasn't just a good then bad flip-flop. It was a making bad decisions creates bad things. Yeah. And as while you were talking, I was thinking about the reason that that makes sense to me. And this might clarify my perspective on these things a little more because I was fairly, I think I was fairly ambiguous in what I believe when I was doing the little intro at the beginning. <laughs> so the way that I look at stories like that and the reason that I'm still interested in them is because I tend to look at them in the same way that I look at literature. So I think they're extremely worthwhile things in the words, even if the words are fictitious. Like the, the fact that it may not be, that the story may not pertain exactly to reality doesn't at all detract from the value that can come from it. And some people struggle with that because it means it's like where do you find the value how do you figure that out and it's a difficult process but i think that it's worthwhile doing and i think that it's possible to do and it like because because of the capacity of people to analyze and think critically and view things from multiple perspectives at the same time like that's that's an insane thing that that's essentially what separates human beings from other animals the ability to one have a perspective of the self and then also to have a perspective of time like future selves past selves and the selves of other people existing and to hold all those ideals uh, those ideas simultaneously it's when you think about it it's insane that we have the capacity to do that but that seems to point toward the capacity to read something that may not be an actual depiction of reality and take on the different perspectives within it in order to come up with a better way of existing. So that's the value that I gain from religious stories. And that's right. why I try to make them make sense in my own head. Because <laughs> the yeah. if you look at the, the original story that I had heard and understood of Satan trying to make things better, him being told it didn't work, and then just like, all right, screw everything, I'm going to destroy it all. <laughs> That's a hard story to come to terms with. Like that's more than anything that sounds like the existence of a child, <laughs> but perpetuated forever in the most extreme sense, <laughs> because it's a constant thing that happens throughout human existence, which has been going on for yeah. And it's hard not, to not really. Long it's time. hard to relate to too. It's like right. It's easy to just then demonize this thing that we call Satan and and call it all evil, whatever, and be oh, how foolish and silly he was. But it's it's harder to relate to than 
this idea of someone who is consistently making small choices that kind of fudge on what they know is better to do and Mm -hmm. and using other people and then eventually wanting to use everyone for their own good like that's a reality that happens to people and and happens to all of us we all face that constantly that temptation to use other people for our own progression yeah and so yeah yeah even if it's not a metaphysical reality like even if there's not a real being called satan or a real being called god who like had these different views in some primordial past and we all chose to follow one or the other it still teaches you something about yeah how to how to live and what what's really important in life which seems to be what you choose and the fact that you bear responsibility for the consequences that come upon you right depending on what you choose so yeah because the yeah like as you said the religious stories aren't they don't really mean anything if they can't be useful unless unless you just don't believe that people have that much utility or like that they're not worth anything if you have that perspective then you could you could conceive of a religious belief that doesn't really have much to do with the real world and be okay with that but that's a pretty sad way to live i think because then there's no point in in people there's no reason for and on an individual level there's no reason to continue existing well and that's the ascetic that's the ascetic principle basically is like yeah god exists um outside of time and space outside of the real world and in order to have communion with him we need to reject the real world so we need to be um what's it called um i need to not have any relationship with humans um deprive ourselves of food and water and any kind of pleasure and because yeah that's so that's what the that's a real view that has taken place in christianity and other religions at different times i was gonna say i didn't know that was a thing in christianity yeah it was huge asceticism i mean that's what that's what being a monk is and it's still i mean it's still around like right that's how the eastern religions is the only place i'd heard of that well there's monks and monks in christianity it's a huge thing no no no, yeah yeah, yeah. i'm just right oh okay i'm just saying i wasn't aware (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't aware that it had come also from a place in christianity i was only familiar with the first place yeah and so that's that's a real view too of the idea that you have to reject what is real life in order to gain some kind of higher living but yeah that's not that doesn't seem useful at least to modern people (laughs) (laughs) right because the the big problem conceptually with that is that your entire life is based on something that you don't know and can never know and will never understand which Fair enough, it's hard to argue against it, but it's because it does it. Like, whether or not that exists, we know that what's happening right now, in some sense, is in existence. You know, whether or not it's a simulation, whatever, but in some capacity it's happening. Yeah. And so it, it, it seems to be of a little bit more utility to act in the world as we understand it. 
and then try to figure out those other things as we go along, but also keeping those things from the perspective of someone who exists in this world. Like right. they, there needs to be some kind of connection in order for the metaphysical ideas to be useful in the actual world. Right. And the, then just real quick, I think pointing out the other ways that I see a story like the one I've expressed useful is in the context of suffering and tragedy is one it means that we had some idea at least conceptually of what we were getting ourselves into when we would have said yeah i i will go through with that in order to learn right that's the idea behind it yeah in order to learn um but but it means that we we chose whatever we chose we understood that we were going to be subject to natural laws and to each other's agency and so in that view suffering whether perpetrated by nature or by another human isn't something that just is meaninglessly like you can't say well i didn't if you if you if you subscribe to such a story you can't say well i didn't ever choose this like why is this happening to me you can't fully say that because in some sense you understood and chose that you'd have to go through things like that so it doesn't completely take care of that problem but seems to make more sense than seeing us as created at you know at birth or whatever like that's when God creates a human is when they're born and then so we're just here by some the whims of somebody's decision and right. subject to whatever happens. So Yeah, that's a that's a big problem that I've had with some of the non denominational beliefs that I've heard from people out here. There there isn't there is no explanation for it. It's much closer to um like you said, the, the ascetic uh, removal of everything about the humanity of oneself in order to reach a bigger ideal that you can never understand. Mm-hmm. That se- it seems, not it's not quite that, but it's closer to that. It's like we accept these things essentially only based on feeling and regardless of the circumstances that caused it to happen. We just accept that it did happen in some capacity and it's the way that the world is right now. Mm-hmm. And that to me, again, from my hedonistic perspective, or sorry, not hedonistic, <laughs> as as a heathen, <laughs> hedonistic. My, yeah, not, not quite hedonistic. I reject hedonism. Hedonism is that's yeah nonsense. But anyway, as a heathen, and from my perspective, where I I don't believe in these things as literally having happened. If you don't have any, if there's no real story attached to why things are the way that they are, then there isn't a utility in it. Like you can take utility from the other things, but it's much harder to grasp onto those things if there isn't a story for why those things have come into being. Like the Bible's all well and good. It has some some good stories and messages in it. 
It also has some tough stories to swallow and some horrific things that happened in it. It's much easier to palate if you don't just say, God made us, we're here, we don't really need to understand it, but this is how we need to live. That's much harder for a heathen like me to get behind. It seems to have less less utility. <laughs> yeah. But I... Um, so this is this is kind of a big question that I have. I'm going to question the all religion. Yeah, I'm going to question all religion. What is... <laughs> okay, so my thought is if you have a viable story that supports all of these things, It seems to me, sorry, I'm not going to ask a question. I'm going to make a statement and then I want to hear what you think about it. Change it up a little bit. And to add a little bit more context, some of these ideas are based on, they're all based on my experiences, but then what really got me thinking more in detail about them was listening to a debate between Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris. They did a four-part debate about these kinds of things, about religion, the utility of it, and about morality, where, where it's based, where, in what is morality based. Sam Harris, in a general sense, says it's based in science. Actually, that's a fairly specific sense. He says that morality is based in science. And Jordan Peterson says that morality can't be based in science. There has to be something deeper than that. It doesn't quite get there. They're really good debates. If you're interested in that kind of topic, highly recommended. They're very, very interesting, and both of those men are extremely intelligent it's 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 one of the few times where you can listen to intellectual people talk and it's really really fun i mean i always get enjoyment of listening to stuff like that but i know a lot of people don't but it's like it's more fun than normal listening to them talk about these things it's 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 comparable to like going down a slide in a park i don't know wow Maybe being on a swing so fun it's even better being on a swing, that's much better than going down a slide. Anyway, all besides the point, other than to contextualize it, that's where some of these ideas, that's where I started thinking about these ideas was after listening to them. And I think that both of them get close to it and maybe get it wrong. So Sam Harris is against religion in general. He thinks that it shouldn't be a thing, that it should be removed and that morality should be based on the things that we can analyze, essentially. That's a pretty reductionist view of it, but it hits some of the main points that he has. He thinks that religion causes a lot of bad things and that it's not worth those bad things to keep religion because you can get the good from it without having the dogmatic subscription to some of the things that, some of the beliefs that can lead to horrific things like crusades and inquisitions. Jordan Peterson, on the other hand, argues that, well, he always argues for the benefit of religion, which he usually talks about in terms of the stories. He never, he's very careful to make logical arguments about religion. He doesn't make theological arguments about them or about anything spiritual. So he talks about the utility of the stories and the necessity of them because morality based in science can't get down to the fundamental of 
They can't get down to the very fundamental questions, like why do individuals have worth? Science can't answer that question sufficiently, I think is roughly what he says. So, I think I somewhat fall in between them, maybe. Like, there's... The utility of stories is hard to overestimate from the way that we conceptualize things to the importance that can be gleaned from really complex stories. It seems to run pretty deep. And religious stories in particular, there's a reason that they've lasted for as long as they have. There's something really substantial, and you can go into the individual stories, like what we've been talking about. They're, Mm -hmm. They're crazy crazy important messages that can be taken just from that one story of you know why people are here and why satan exists and the ideas about um existence before earth as well as during and after but i don't see where the necessity for a complete subscription to a religion comes into play I, it's hard for me to understand why you can't take religious ideas essentially as you would take a literary story, but maybe with a little bit more significance than the average literary story. It's more like the story of mankind in general. And that story is extremely useful. You, you can take so many things from it. I don't see where it becomes necessary to then sign up for a religion that tells the story and believe in it fully as a literal thing that happened and as all of those things that are in the stories being literally in existence. That's where I diverge from it. I don't see the utility in that because that seems to be where like the, it's, it has something to do with the organization of it too, I think. Well, I haven't fully sorted out that idea. But that part of it, the, the actual belief that the things literally happened, seems to be what opens people up to the possibility of having their religion manipulated, usually by political systems, in order to support causes that are horrific. Again, like the Crusades yeah. or Inquisition. So I don't know what to do with it. Okay. Well, I mean, I have an idea of what to do with it. I would just throw out the literal. <laughs> That's what I do. I, I don't agree to the literal existence of those stories. Just the useful aspects of them. Yeah, and I think that's one answer. Um, and I don't think... <laughs> well, I don't think that... I think that most religions actually allow for that despite what people think. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that. I mean, there are... There are... I can't remember what religion it is. I, I just took this survey of Christianity course last semester, so we were learning about all different branches of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was a, the Calvinist branches or what, but... Um, or Presbyterian, I don't know, but but that has ministers that are 
self-proclaimed atheists. So like a minister in the church that, yeah, that says, I don't believe in God as an actual metaphysical, like as a real being, but the religion is still useful. I think the answer that they would give is something like, and I think this is, I think this is a whole developing group of thinkers actually i think are they, i think they're called like the the new atheists have you heard of that it sounds familiar but the ideas don't i think the position is that that yeah religion and all these metaphysical stories are constructs of humans that we've built but they're necessary and so the idea would be that yeah if you say the stories are good like you're saying the stories are important as literary stories are even a little bit more important because they're literary stories that have lasted so long so if you're taking that as a premise that the stories are that important it follows that you'd want to have some sort of um system or organization that helps you that both helps you live or integrate the stories into your life in a meaningful way and and do so in a community um mm. and i think that's the most important aspect of organized religion is the sense of community if right and that's why i was hesitant to say that organization was the issue because like you're saying that is an extreme benefit from it is having the the community aspect of it right and so yeah i think if you're if you're if you find value in a story that talks about the history of mankind then you want that value expressed and integrated into your life in a community right so I think that's the position of the new atheists is that, yeah, these stories aren't literary real. They aren't literally real. <laughs> um, but integrating them into your life in a community of people is still valuable because that's how you get the most value from the stories, not just from studying them or telling them, but from trying to live them with other people. So you get the relational aspect with other people, um, and so forth. Um, so yeah, I think I think I could see that as a position. Um, I it doesn't appeal to me because because for me, um, while I while I entertain that possibility right like i i think well maybe it's not all metaphysical metaphysically real maybe they aren't all actual things um but but for me it's more meaningful if they are <laughs> and so oh, okay the story the stories work better if they are right and i and i felt I've had spiritual experiences that are meaningful to me that tell me that they are. And so, yeah, I feel like there was something else on that that I was going to say, but 
It must have been lost in the ether. <laughs> Someone needed to use it. <laughs> yeah, it borrowed it from the unconscious. Yeah, it checked it out already. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's. I think that's the. Oh, that's what it was. It was about having to subscribe oh, to the entirety, the entirety of the dogma. If you're, so yeah. Then the question right. is, if you're if you're taking the stories as valuable, and you're saying, okay, taking the next step of saying, well, I want them integrated into a lifestyle with other with within a community, right? Then you're saying, okay, well, then I want a religion, is essentially what you're saying. And so then, do you have to take the next step where you say? everything that this religion, this community as an organization subscribes to is now my absolute truth. And I think that's a jump that doesn't have to be taken, although people like to think that it does. But yeah, I agree that that's a real danger of religion is when that happens. And religion does tend towards absolutism. and Because part of the feeling that you're getting in touch with I mean, you could describe people don't know how to talk about religious experience, right? But there's some sort of in touchness with this thing that feels more than just you, right? So, it, some kind of in touchness with eternity or the divine, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and that that feeling, that yearning, does lend itself to, to absolutism and. And um, and a temptation to say, "Oh, we found the answer. Let's enforce it on everybody else." You know, right? But I don't think, as we've talked about before, I don't think that's a problem unique to organizations that call themselves religions. So there are other organizations that don't call themselves religions that have that same problem. Mm-hmm. Political. Mainly. Right. Yeah. And and so it doesn't make sense to me to say we're going to avoid religion for this reason. I think that's a reason to get involved in religion and to you know the <laughs> the more the more reasonable people who leave religion the worse off I think it stands, right? <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. And it doesn't solve the problem of organizations that lend themselves to that because political organizations do the same thing. So if you, if somebody runs from religion because of its leanings towards absolutism and runs to politics, they haven't saved anything. They haven't. They haven't. Right, they've just moved into another one. They've just moved into another system that runs off. itself to absolutism. Yeah. Yeah. And left all the value that religion brings, those stories that can work within a community for good. So. Right. It's an interesting dilemma. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, what to do with that one? I think what needs to happen is we need to start a new organization. Separate from everything else that only reasonable people are allowed to be part of. We'll call it the the rational skeptics. 
and everyone can come and be part of it, but they can't believe that it actually is worth all that much. They got to be skeptical about it. <laughs> Dude, you have the answer. You should enforce that on everyone. <laughs> I think totally, you've solved man. it. Well, well, if we jump back to earlier in the conversation, we established that I'm God. So <laughs> this is the next logical step. Everyone needs to do this. D- disclaimer, disclaimer, I'm not actually God. Don't, don't listen to anything I'm saying. <laughs> Unless you find it worthwhile. But if you find it worthwhile, be skeptical of it. Because you don't want to accept it dogmatically. That's the real issue, man. Is people, people need ideas to hold on to. But there's so little time to really dive into figuring out what you believe, how you believe it, why you believe it, and if it's actually worth believing. Yeah. And people just don't take those. It, it seems to me like a lot of people just don't take those steps. It's so much easier to walk into a system, whether it's atheist or religious, because they're, they both run into to issues, I think. And to just be told like, here's this list. This is, this is what we believe. And you check some of the boxers like, yeah, I'm in. Like, that's me. And you subscribe to it. And honestly, for a lot of people, I don't think there's anything wrong. Like, even after I stopped being religious, if people would ask, like, would come to me and say things like, you know, I'm having a really hard time. I don't know what to do with myself. I don't feel, you know, I'm super depressed or I, I don't see the point in any of this. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the things that I would recommend to those people is, Look at religions, like look for a system that can build you up. Right. And then after that, like after you have a system that has a foundation that can, you know, buoy you up, then start trying to figure out more specifically, like question some of the things, figure out what your ideas are. But it's very useful to have a system in place that can get you started. Because a lot of those ideas, like you can talk openly about ideas that aren't going to be rejected, you know, because people think they're ridiculous. And the community aspect of it, that's, that might be the biggest part of it, is that you have all these people who are supportive of you in your search to figure out what the heck you're doing. Which is one of the problems with, with atheism, is that it's harder to find a community, especially a, and it's, it's not just a community in general, like, I, I go to the rock climbing gym and I meet people there and we have our own little community and, and it extends beyond just the people in that gym. Like all, a lot of rock climbers feel a sense of connection with other rock climbers and that happens within any other kind of social group. But the point of any of those other groups is not to live a meaningful life. <laughs> Some people might think that they do so through the activities, but it's not focused around figuring out how to live the best life possible, but religion is. And it's that specific kind of community that I think is really useful. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Well, I have to go. Okay. But, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, we went much longer than anticipated. <laughs> Just kept going. Let's split <laughs> yeah. that into two episodes. <laughs> Probably won't. I kind of like the idea of longer episodes. 
Oh, okay. When, I, when I'm listening to podcasts, I like when they're long ones. If I'm interested in them, I love that they're long ones. Sometimes I wish they'd keep going. Should we end it? Um, yeah, I was thinking of maybe throwing a quick summary in there since we went over so much stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. We talked about... Uh, how did we start this? We started talking about the the documentary you had watched, the 9-11 documentary. People had different perspectives on either why God would cause or allow for a thing like 9-11 or any other kind of tragedy to happen. We went through a couple of those different perspectives, and I think we both agreed that the most reasonable one sort of had to do with the idea of God as a being who doesn't control every facet of an individual's life, but rather knows what decisions the person is going to make, which allows for free will while still granting God his omnipotence. And within that, God is also, like, he allows us to make mistakes, so the bad things that happen aren't caused by him or by Lucifer. They're caused by the decisions that individuals make while they're alive. And then the existence of Lucifer is, I really liked, I really liked what you had said about that. That it's not that God just created Lucifer as this evil being or turned him into an evil being, or even that Lucifer became an evil being, you know, in a moment, but that he existed, you know, um, simultaneously with God as a being who was less developed than God, but also trying to develop. And the same as all of the spirits of the people who have lived, I think, is also part of it. Like all of the spirits existed in a plane uh, less developed than God. And Lucifer began a downward trajectory into evil, which already existed. It wasn't created by God, but good and evil, which I think comes into the, like good and evil are created by necessity as soon as consciousness exists, as soon as there is a conscious being. So Satan starts making that descent into evil, makes choices that take him down that path. All the while there's conflict with God, and he's going, he's going, he's going, and then essentially he's still continuing down that path, is the idea now. So he still promotes evil. And I would say, from a non-religious perspective, that story is useful because the existence of evil is something that it is something that happens or it, it is something that is evil exists and is perpetuated by people and it's a constant thing that's going to happen and on an individual level you always are in conflict between the good parts of you or the good inclinations and the bad inclinations because everyone has the capacity for both good and evil and much more capacity for evil than I think people tend to think about And then from a religious perspective, he actually exists and is doing those things. Um, what else do we touch on? We talked about stories. We talked about um, the role of religion in people's lives. That was where we ended up going with it, which was really interesting. And basically, if we could sum up our message for other people that we want taken away from this, if we're, you know in any position to offer a message to people. We'll say offer offer an idea for people to consider. I think that's the right way of thinking about it. We don't want to push yeah. an idea onto someone, but 
put forth one that they might think about is that regardless of the path that you choose to take in terms of living your life, whether it be religious, whether it be monotheistic or atheistic or polytheistic or polyamorous or whatever else you choose to do, it should come from a place that attempts to understand the world that you're living in and the effect on it that you have, which as an individual is probably much greater than it would seem initially, if you really think about that. The story of people is is made up of the individual experiences. That's sort of the deviation. Anyway, getting back to what we were talking about. Um, confront the world, think about it, question things about it, but attempt to find the things that make life worth living, whether that be in a religious capacity or not. And regardless of the beliefs that you take on, it's important to always be trying to sharpen and improve those beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's hugely important. And I think that's how you get around or attempt to get around the problems that any belief system gives you of, of absolutism is that you have to constantly recognize the incompleteness of your system and yeah, right. try to re- be trying to refine it. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're... <laughs> shoot, that makes me want to keep talking. <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but I like it. That's, that's all good stuff. It's important stuff. But what do we know? <laughs> oh, all right. Well, uh, farewell, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Have, yeah, have good days. Have good lives. Uh, try to be better. <laughs>